Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Well, welcome to the first episode of a new season for our Movement podcast. Um, It's Mark Sanders here and uh, it's my pleasure today to be joined by Ben Carboni, uh, who is a senior pastor of the Port Church. Uh, welcome, Ben. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be with you today. It's great to have you here, have a chance to hear a bit of your story. Um, ben, uh, I just wonder if you can kind of take us back, uh, right back or to however far back you want to go and just give us um, a bit of, bit of the journey uh, that led you perhaps first to faith. Um, and then the journey that led you into um, pastoral ministry to start with? Oh, well, <laughs> that's a good question, a big question. Um, well, my journey to faith probably started with my mum. Uh, I was raised by my mum, single mum, raised five kids on her own. I'm the youngest of five. And um, when my dad walked out when I was two and a half, um, uh, my mum's life sort of fell apart. And a friend of hers sent her sister around to visit my mum and talk to her and help her in that time of crisis. And that that lady happened to be a Christian and introduced her to Jesus. Um, my mum was Catholic, uh, never had heard much about Jesus uh, as a Catholic, knew a lot about Mary and knew a lot about the patron Saint Anthony, but not a lot about Jesus. And so it was revolutionary for her and um, she gave her life to Christ at that moment and for her her life was turned around dramatically and I guess for her five kids it was turned around dramatically as well um she started taking us to church as an Italian Pentecostal church uh against the wishes of her family um her family all Catholic telling her that she shouldn't do that uh it was the wrong thing to do but she still chose to even to the point where um the we had to move out of our rental accommodation because it was owned by her brother and he didn't want anything to do with her after that moment. So it's quite well wow. quite a significant change for us. Um I was only three or four at the time, so I didn't know much about that stuff, but I did sort of come to this new church which I'd never experienced before. Uh, very mm. different. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh you know, um mm. <laughs> Most listeners may be part of a uh, a fairly conventional Baptist church. Yeah. Is a is a Pentecostal yeah. Italian church any different? <laughs> well, you got Pentecostal and you got Italian, so you put those two together, and it gets pretty fiery, pretty uh, pretty. Uh, they're pretty excitable Italians, um, and so uh, the meetings were were pretty traditional. Like the church was. Um, uh, fairly legalistic, I'd say. The women sat on one side with veils and the men sat on the other. Wow. Um, the women weren't allowed to wear pants or anything like that or makeup. And every time they talked about movies or things like that, it was don't do those sorts of things. You'll go to hell if you do that. Um, so was, there's a lot of fear-based stuff there. But um, when they had a meeting, whether a prayer meeting or a church meeting, it got pretty excitable. There was lots of Lots of wailing, lots of dancing and clapping and yelling and hollering and all mm. sorts of stuff. It's, yeah, it's actually in 
in one of those sorts of meetings, uh, a, a prayer meeting, uh, where I felt God speak to me as a, I was, would have been nine or 10 years of age. Uh, I'd been a bit naughty in the prayer meeting and, uh, uh, sliding around on the floor on my stomach because I was pretty bored. I uh, sort of got used to all the hollering and everything. And, um, and one of the elders picked me up and shook me, gave me a bit of a shake and put me back in my seat and said, start praying. And so I didn't know what praying was exactly. So I just sat there looking at the pastor who was leading from the front. And I just felt God drop in my heart at that moment that one day I would be doing what he is doing mm. and uh, sort of stuck with me for a long, long time. And that was, yeah, that was the moment I felt God call me um, uh, from that point. Um, teenage years were a bit, bit dark, like most teenagers, a bit rebellious, didn't really want to go to church. My mum forced me to go to church. Uh, as long as I was under her roof, I had to go to church. And, uh, so we kept going, um, or I kept going every Sunday morning. Um, but by this time, um, because all her kids were pretty well raised, uh, Australian, uh, we didn't speak Italian at home. I only spoke Italian at the Italian church. My mum had started to attend another Pentecostals church where it's a lot more Australian-speaking or English-speaking. And so um, we started attending there, and um, that was probably the church where I made a recommitment to God when I was about 17 uh, at a youth meeting. My sister dragged me along to a youth meeting, um, and I heard about the love of God and the father heart of God. And as a, as a young person who didn't grow up with a father, it really spoke to me and uh, I responded to the altar call and it was in that place. Um, I really sensed God's love for me. Mm. And, uh, from that moment on, uh, I was about 17, uh, just finished year 12. I made a decision that I'd serve God with my life from that point on. And, and I guess God, was faithful to that call when I was nine. That that was as soon as I made that recommitment, I remembered that call, and so I made a decision to to serve God with everything I had from that point. You're a young adult finishing school, a sense of calling to ministry and a, and a commitment um, to faith, but also of your life, mm. even at that age. Uh, what's the journey in the gap there between <clears throat> between where you make that sense of commitment and call, yeah. and you, you start out in ministry? Well, for me, the first thing I wanted to do was go to Bible college. That's finish year 12. Didn't really care what marks I got. Uh, I'm going to Bible college. And um, my mum said, you're not going to Bible college. Um, and I'm like, I'm sort of going, struggling with this. But mum, I want to serve God. It's like, no, you're the only child in our family who has the possibility to go to university i think you should do that first um uh, that's more important and it's be good for you to work a normal job and learn a career and so she was pretty wise in my understanding being a, a person who grew up in a single parent home no father I, emotionally i probably wasn't ready for ministry or bible college i i needed to learn a bit i was a bit green and so um, I, I actually got into podiatry. So I studied podiatry for three years and um, came out after three years and became a podiatrist, worked in different settings, um, 
and actually did podiatry for 10 years. Uh, in the meantime, still serving in church, uh, doing everything um, that I could within the church environment, volunteering as however I could, whether it was a sound person or a home group leader or any any way I could. Uh, and at uh, at about the age of 21, I I had the opportunity then to work part-time as a podiatrist and go to Bible college within the Pentecostal sphere and did two years of Bible college, um, believing that it would open the door to ministry at some point. Hmm. Um, at the time, after two years, I'd, I'd met my wife. We'd gotten married um, uh, when I was in second year Bible college and uh, all ready to go into the ministry at the end of that uh, with my diploma and whatever and uh, thought we had a an associate role um, set up. You know, it all looked good. I remember sitting in the church we were in at the time on a Sunday morning and the pastor never, never um, did this. It might be unusual for a, a Pentecostal church, but never really spoke words of knowledge or things like that, that, that type of thing. Um, but this morning he was around the uh, Lord's table and he just said, I just really feel a sense that some people are making serious decisions here today. And this is a church of over 2,000 people, so oh, wow. he didn't know our situation mm. and uh, uh, and uh, just felt that God's saying that the, the answer is no. And um, for me... I was sitting there and it, it just felt like it was for me. Like, wow. you know, when that, you know, there's a moment just my heart was beating and I mm. turned to my wife and said, Julie, I think, um, I think that's about us. And she's like, yeah, I think you're right. Mm. So, um, we didn't ever go to that first offer that we had. And so we sat in church for the next, uh, probably five years, uh, before God opened the door, um, to, to go on staff at the church we were at at the time. So, mm. but that five years was a really important time for me to just develop. In in my job as a podiatrist, I was able to develop better interpersonal skills with people, learning how to relate to people, um, and and just growing as a person. Because as I said earlier, I was fairly immature, really, in a lot of the ways I viewed the world and. And uh, so God had his plan, mm. and even though I, I didn't always agree with it uh, mm. and was pretty impatient, by the end of it, I knew it was the right thing. Mm. Okay. Mm. So you start serving in a Pentecostal yeah. church setting. How many years were you um, a pastor in? in... Yeah, um, 15 years. So, um, so a few years part-time and then about 13 years full-time. Uh, so, yeah, in lots of different roles. Um, one thing, uh, it started in youth ministry. Um, the church I was in at the time, we had just begun a community service program and because I'd worked in um, health and, and the community setting, I was involved in that, uh, getting that off the ground in uh, reaching out to the local community in, in like food relief and, and uh, working in juvenile detention centres and, and places like that, which was exciting work. But it seemed like, because it was a large church, uh, every two or three years I would find a new role to do and something different. And uh, um, But 
we always, um, from the time I, I did Bible college, there was a moment I was, um, is a subject on Hebrews and we're going through Hebrews and in Hebrews 2, it talks about Jesus being the trailblazer or the pioneer, the leader in Hebrews 2.11, I think it is. And, um, and, and the, the Greek word was archegos, trailblazer, one who blazes a trail for others mm. to follow. And, and I felt in that moment that God dropped on my heart that one day we would pioneer a church and we'd plant a church. And that always stuck with me. Um, and it was probably about 10 years at our church that I, I went to the senior pastor and said, you know, I feel like we, uh, called to pioneer and, and um, and so we started that journey towards what it would look like and what it would be. And it took about three to five years before um, the opportunity came to actually step out and do that. Hmm. So that steps you into a new role, ch- yeah. pioneering, um, yeah. church planning. Yeah. Um, was that a tough journey or an exciting <laughs> journey or everything yeah. in between? It was, uh, yeah, it was a, it's, it's been a... The church we pioneered is the Port Church, so um, the church we're still uh, at today, um, and it it was a pretty rocky journey. Uh, just just starting, it was pretty tough. Um, yeah, from the environment we were in, it uh, wasn't an easy thing to do, and um, we we literally had to say goodbye to our old church and start afresh. Um, we really. F- Felt like it was um, a little bit like a lot scenario, like not looking back, like mm. going forward to what God had, and so we said had to say goodbye to lots of friends and and uh, people that we've known for a long time, and and start something anew. So when we initially started it, we started it on our on our own with some friends, and um, and so it was pretty tough. It was we started at Large Bay Sailing Club. And it's a handful of us uh, and our families, and we didn't really know what we were doing, um, mm. but we we're giving it a go. We we're using all our experience that we had from the fifteen odd years of ministry, and and uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty tough, that's for sure. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on um, for me personally. You can imagine being in a church for a long time and and leaving it. Um, probably a lot of grief and and uh, not really being ready for it. I remember I had long service leave when we left, so I used the long service leave. And um, uh, we took a holiday to the Gold Coast and and uh, I I was, um, I, I know, you know about Queensland, they don't have daylight savings. They're some mm. primitive people sort of thing. <laughs> there, they, so the sun comes up at about four in the morning and I decided all my family was asleep, um, but I decided I was up and I thought I'd just go and pray for a bit. And I and the sun's rising over the ocean, which was amazing. We don't get that here in Adelaide. Um, and I was watching it rise and I was praying and, and I was having a bit of a, uh, a self-pity session with God type of thing, um, just saying, God, I feel like I've given up everything to do this. I, like, I had a had ministry where I was and had a reputation and a name or whatever, and, and I've given that all up to pioneer this church and to do what you want, and I'm just saying it just doesn't seem fair, doesn't mm. seem right. We just don't feel like we've got nothing. And uh, 
as I was watching that the sun come up, I just felt God speak to me and just say very simply, you know, that still small voice, aren't I enough? Mm. And as I heard that, I, I realized in a lot of ways my the ministry I was doing and, and had become more important than my relationship with God mm. himself. And and so at that moment it's like I'm crying and, and bawling and mm. repenting and saying, sorry, God, for putting other things in front of you. It, we sort of made a decision that the church plant that we would plant would be about relationship, mm. uh, obviously our relationship with God first, but also about relationships with people and it, not just about ministry and programs mm. and, and those sorts of things. So um, that was our decision, but that was a, a tough journey because it was very different to what we'd ever known. Um, mm. We're very – I'm a sort of person who – likes to do 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 mm. and i had to slow down and just wait on god and wait for his direction on where we should go and what we should do mm. and so that was it was to be honest it was hard mm. from coming from a a performance based faith where everything was about how many people showed up on sunday and mm. all of those sorts of things it was it was a it was a hard transition mm. that's for sure so that change uh, obviously changed you by the sounds. Mm. How did it change what ministry looked like, what the shape or feel of the church looked like? It's probably three years of church life for us to really establish that culture and really um, establish a culture that wasn't performance-based and addressing things. And, and you know, we had people come and go um, to the church because we weren't doing enough. Um, but we made a strategic decision to to not do too much, but to mm. spend time in God's Word and together building our relationships and, and growing stronger in our relationships and uh, because that's what we really felt um, God had called us to. Our, our vision was to live like Jesus lived um, from 1 John 2, 6. That was what we believe God had called us to, and, and we do that by loving God loving people and loving the community we lived in and and to really understand what it meant to love God and love the community and love each other like, mm. um, not just token loving each other but mm. really loving each other and loving one another as Christ has loved us and so we spent a lot of time just building those relationships the early services involved a four o'clock and Sunday Sunday afternoon and uh, followed by dinner together. So mm. we'd always um, have a meal together and, and you know, we, sometimes we wouldn't be out of the place till, you know, eight, nine at night because mm. we're just consolidating relationships. And and uh, and that that's what a lot of the first few years were, not a lot of growth as such, um, but really about establishing a culture that really expressed who we truly wanted to be. Mm. Tell me about then how you feel that foundation has impacted the church as it's then moved out of those formative years. So you've had this shift, you've invested hugely in, in a, a different way of being really, the, the, the emphasis on relationship, on people, relationship with God. Um, you said there's not a lot of growth in those early years, uh, but, but obviously a deepening of those connections both yeah. with God and people. What do you feel is some of the fruit that you've started to see 
come out of that? How has that sort of begun to then flow through and impact the church ongoing? Um, well, there came a point where we felt like we were ready to to look outward, I guess. Um, you know, we'd, we'd spent time loving God. We spent time loving each other. And, you know, one of the things we did loving each other was there's a family in our church that were doing a pretty tough um, single mum with a few, four kids and and uh, we we did a, like a backyard blitz on a house and just cleaned it all up and that was just a, a practical expression of mm. of loving each other and it was out of things like that that we then started to go well we feel, we feel like we've established a good culture here um, now we need to take it out into our community and and so that was the first steps um, I was working part time. Uh, with the church at that stage, um, and uh, we we had uh, enough money in the bank to employ someone else, so we started to look for a community engagement sort of person. Yeah. Um, just really, uh, the idea was someone who could help us develop something that we could engage the community with, and mm-hmm. um, we spent probably six months trying to find someone, and just nothing mm-hmm. seemed to work out, and. At that time, I was working for an organisation called Aboriginal Family Support Services, um, working with families at risk of losing their kids and trying to keep the family unit together. And And I was driving to work, which was about a half an hour drive from where we were, and uh, just praying. And and, and uh, at that moment, uh, driving along, the scripture just dropped in my head, you can't serve two masters. Um, uh, you, like one or the other and I, I felt um that God was speaking to me that and I as we started the church I always wanted to be bivocational because I just thought that was healthier um, from the environment I'd come from at that moment I just thought I'll take it to the board and see what they think but maybe I should do this job mm. and so I took it to them and they they basically all said we're waiting for you to come to that decision <laughs> and so from that point um yeah, they employed me full-time uh, with half the time to be about community engagement. So we set up this idea of a barbecue trailer mm-hmm. and uh, and just that would go out one night a week into community hotspots. Mm-hmm. So we've got a skate park on the peninsula where we live mm-hmm. um, and there's a housing development or housing SA uh, complex with like about 40 homes in it and so we would do a barbecue there one week a barbecue at the other place the other and just start to reach out to the community Mm. and uh, it's quite incredible Um, and the reason we reached out to the community is we didn't reach out with the express purpose of seeing people come into the kingdom obviously that was our desire Mm. that was underpinned everything Mm. but we really went out with the attitude, we just want to love our community. Mm. Um, no strings attached. Mm. We're not going to stand up and preach the gospel. We're just going to give away sausages and food and, and mm. have conversation. Mm. And, you know, the first night we went out, uh, we letterboxed the area around the skate park, and this woman came who was 75-year-old. Uh, her friend brought her along. She was very isolated, um, mm. didn't have a lot of connections, and just needed to connect with someone she she came out met 
everyone just loved it, came to church on that Sunday, mm. um, and within a couple of months was baptized, but had no church background at all. Wow. And, uh, but she just found some sort of community with, with, that she could connect with and, and she found God in the process. And, and it, it's not like anyone went out of their way to force her to come along mm. or, witness to her but just loved her and mm. just accepted her into our little community and and mm. she found a place that she could call home and, and it's really transformed her life and mm. and that's sort of been the heart of it from that time on like we've sort of moved on from that community barbecue that now we do dinners in the church um mm. for a number of different reasons but the church dinners are are purely for for the idea of building relationship. So mm. uh, we we don't like it when people think that they're a soup kitchen or something like that because mm. it's not it's not about just feeding people. It's about sitting down for a meal mm. and getting to know people. And mm. so it's it's over that time of relationship building and you know addressing things like, you know, social isolation and and uh, that we've been able to connect with people and, and then see them uh, connect with our church as well in, in significant ways. Mm. Mm. That's sort of um, you, you, your stories now looking out and, and reaching out into the community. Uh, for those who don't know, you know, the Lafever Peninsula is yeah. kind of its own little yeah. world. Uh, yeah. you, you don't really go there perhaps if you don't yeah. live there unless you've got a sailing boat at North Haven or something, <laughs> which, which most of us don't. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm picturing beautiful by the beach uh yeah. what's the area like and what are the challenges and, and um, blessings of the area yeah well it's it a, it's a very long narrow peninsula it's uh um nothing like the fluoro peninsula there's no vineyards or anything there it's a long narrow peninsula and there's a railway line that runs straight up the middle of it uh to outer harbour so uh runs through places like peterhead and birkenhead Largs bay uh osborne taparoo mm. And, and so forth. And it's literally one of those communities where um, this, whichever side of the tracks you live on determines which which side of the community you are on. So mm. if you live on the beach side of the tracks, the, the railway tracks, you're generally in a wealthier area, more professional. Um, you got the coastline there. Um, the, on the Esplanade, any, a house could sell for... Two million plus dollars. Mm. If you live on the other side of the track, which is the Port River side of the track, you've got places like Taparoo and Osborne, high density public housing, um, generational um, trauma and uh, unemployment and violence and and uh, a really low socioeconomic area. Um, mm. And so, um, we our church happens to be on the wrong supposedly wrong side of the tracks mm. uh, is where we are, uh, which is really exciting for us uh, because uh, it's where we we want to be uh, mm. and uh, and it's uh, it's our neighbourhood. So um, the people we're reaching out to uh, with the church programs and things like our pop-up kitchen and our youth group uh, are people that are really doing it tough. Mm. Disadvantaged, um, I think. Uh, not last, not the recent census, but the one before. Our area Taparoo was in like top seven 
areas of uh, difficulty mm-hmm. in in South Australia. So, um, so yeah, there's generational unemployment, there's family breakdown, drug uh, abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, domestic violence. They're all high mm-hmm. uh, rates. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty tough area. Um, but, uh, you know, that's where God's placed us. And so um, it, like, talks of Jesus moving into the neighbourhood. That's what we've done. Um, mm. We live in the neighbourhood. Most of the people who come to our church are from the neighbourhood. And and so, um, yeah, it, it's where God's called us. So we uh, make the best of it. Mm. Ben, what are you... Um what are you seeing and, and hearing in your role in your neighbourhood? Um, you know, we, we, it's hard to do a podcast or something at this time without mentioning COVID. Yeah. Um, in your context, in that community, what are you sensing the impacts being in the community that you're working with, and and then separately or related in the in the in the church community that yeah. you're you're leading? Well, uh, mental health has been a massive thing. For our community, uh, it it was anyway mental illness and you know, mental health, and and uh, a lot of people have struggled uh, big time. Uh, uh, one thing that we made a, a decision early on um, is to keep things going in church as much as we could. So even though we weren't able to meet for a meal, we made sure we still distributed food hampers to people that we knew, um, and. Uh, and made sure that they were okay. Uh, and I, I think as, as difficult as COVID was, for us it reinforced the importance of building relationships. And it, even as a church, it reminded us of the importance of relationships. Uh, I feel like we've been able to maintain uh, ourselves through COVID. Um, like it's not like our church has necessarily grown through it but it's not we haven't lost people haven't disappeared we've we've uh, it's been pretty stable and I, I think that's because as a church we had made relationships a real focus and so people were able to maintain their connections uh, even though maybe we couldn't meet for church or we couldn't have pop-up kitchen there were still connections being made and and people weren't left to their own devices and and isolated mm. um so yeah i feel like for us it, it reminded us of what we were there for mm. um you know there's a good things about it as well um pre-covid our pop-up kitchen uh we were getting up to 140 150 people out on a wednesday night to have a meal which mm. you can imagine if you've come to our church it's not a big church probably mm. fits 200 people max let alone sitting down for a meal. So it was starting to be a bit too big for what we wanted to achieve when we talk about relationship. Um, so we were able to cap the numbers at 100, and uh, and that was helpful just to restore order in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, but at the same time, through all the different government funding, we were able to um, buy round tables, which just um, helped as well because people could sit in a circle mm. and much better having relationship in a circle rather than in a rows yep. type of thing. So, yeah, so little things like that just help consolidate what we're doing. And I guess that's the, if I 
for us as a church at the moment, the thing that God is continually bringing us back to is what he's called us to. And um, for us as a church, it's about loving God, loving each other, and loving the community we live in. And and if anything, it just keeps being reinforced over and over again that that's what we're called to. We're not called to running big programs. Um, We're not called to to you know have huge meetings but we're called to to do that you know this is how they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another so Mm. it's just reinforced that for us that rather than chasing all different things that we think might grow the church or whatever it's like let's just keep doing what we know god's called us to do how did you end up being part of a Baptist church? Yeah. So we'll go back there first. So, all right. About five years into our church plant, um, the sailing club we were meeting at was having more and more competitions on a Sunday. So we were looking for somewhere to meet. And it just happened that one of our guys at church had become the chaplain at Ocean View College. Um, he was in the high school and... Um, Someone called Leslie Vince, who many people would know, uh, Baptist pastor and was the Baptist pastor of the Fever Baptist at the time, was the chaplain of the primary school. And um, through that connection, I made a connection with Leslie and asked if we could have meetings at night because they had morning meetings and she was happy to oblige, um, which was great. Um, and we had, there was a real connection a synergy between the two churches. We'd even have some meetings together occasionally. Unfortunately, Lefebvre Baptist was uh, an older church, was getting smaller, and mm. um, and they couldn't afford to keep Leslie on. And so once she had, she had gone, they got to the point where there was only a handful of people left there and they were ready to talk to the Baptist movement about the next step for them, which looked like they'd dissolve. But they came to us and said, uh, have you ever thought about being Baptist? And we're like, no, we haven't. But, <laughs> but we're open. We're happy to talk. Um, in this day and age, not being being independent and not being affiliated with someone is, mm. I think, not a great idea mm. with everything going on. So we started talking. At, back then it was Mike Mills and started talking to the movement and it just seemed to be a common understanding between us the idea of what we were doing in the community really seemed to align with the, the Baptist values and um, even the governance idea. We had already established a, a membership-type-driven governance because we'd come from a hierarchical style and we didn't mm. want to be that. And so it just seemed to fit together. And so we, we went through the journey and firstly we became Baptist and then Lefebvre Baptist uh, eventually joined us. And uh, it's been the best thing ever. Mm. It's been uh, a, that's five years this month, I think, mm. that we've been Baptist. And, yeah, it's it's been a huge uh, blessing to us as a community. Uh, the exciting thing is many of the people that were at Lefebvre Baptist are still with us, mm. um, uh, other than some that have moved away or passed away and, and, uh, and, and a part very much a part of what we're doing and and are very excited about it as well because they remember days gone by where 
they were doing the sort of stuff that we were doing and so they can see the church being used to its full potential again. And just the support from uh, the Baptist Centre as well has been great. We've gained a lot from the Baptist movement and we hope we bring something as well in our new unique style. Um, I think Mike used to like to call us Baptocostal. Would you still claim that title? <laughs> Uh, I'm not that. sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you've been a real blessing to yeah. um, our movement, um, your church and, and yourself personally. And I think what's so exciting is that the other story for when a church becomes small and aged is that it closes the door and the building's sold yeah. to a non-church and not losing the Baptist presence so much yeah. as the gospel presence yeah, yeah. in an area. And once it's lost, it can be very, very hard mm. to ever replace another presence and so these the stories within our movement, there's yeah. a number of church revitalizations. something I'm actually really excited yeah. about and passionate about. I think is so, so exciting that a fresh uh, renewal comes into a church yeah. and sort of the light continues to shine. I think, um, like you said, is there anything we could, the Baptists could learn from us or that type of thing mm-hmm. or from, our, from my past? I, I guess the very fact that, I was willing to step out and plant a church and have a go. Mm. And, and um, like, yeah, those people who know me, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Um, my gifting is pastor. Um, like that's, that's what I am. I'm not an evangelist. Mm. Uh, so I don't have that sort of gifting at all. But I felt God called me to, to pastor, to pioneer, and I was naive enough to give it a go, <laughs> and yeah. and uh, and God's been in it, and even the journey to becoming Baptist and has been a part of God's plan. Mm. And I, I think if if I could encourage anything, is that it doesn't matter what your background is, not your personality or your giftings. That if God's asking you to do something, to to just give it a go, and I not be willing to to be obedient and. Mm. Uh, and trust him with it because you just never know mm. what what's possible. Mm. It's a great way to finish. Probably yeah. there's three sides to that. There's the listening to God, yeah, which which I've heard right through your story. Yeah. Then there's an obedience to to actually follow, and kind of a a courageous, almost like a foolishness in the, yeah. in the right sense <laughs> was, of the word. I was thinking stupidity. <laughs> but, but. I, I think it's a great thing that that so often. You know, your story about learning from mistakes, mm. I think, is echoed in my yeah. story and so many who have done things like church planning or taken mm. steps of faith. It's not as though you, you have all the answers and then you go and do it. It's that you go and do stuff, make a lot of mistakes, but yeah. somehow God yeah. is at work through it. Absolutely. Ben, it's been such a pleasure to sit down with you and to hear more of your story. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest. You've been listening to a Baptist Church's essay podcast.